3: Guys, this is gonna be a really fun conversation. Um, because uh well actually it, it might be fun for you guys. I feel like this is gonna be a real bummer of a conversation for me. Um it's <laughs> Wait, gonna it's gonna it's gonna bring me back to some like oh. some major regrets in my uh. life. Um, but uh but that's neither here nor there. Maybe let's just keep that out of the conversation. But I'm we are sure joined we'll by our new friends, it? uh nope, uh, our new friends Mike and Jay. Uh the the creators of One Day Dreams and uh, I just I love the way that this all came together. Um, a friend of ours who who is the um, the CEO of uh, CHPCA, um, a great group of folks doing a lot of work for the hospice and palliative care scene here in Canada, has set us up with these lovely, beautiful gents uh, from Ontario. And and I hadn't heard about One Day Dreams uh, prior to this email that I received, but as soon as I I read about what you guys are up to. I thought holy fuck this is right up our alley um we have to get these guys on the podcast to in the very least help spread the word but also I'm just curious to like pick your guys brains because I feel like this is a an organization that would be uh e- extremely gratifying and and fun but also a buttload of hard work, uh, like blood, sweat, and tears, literally. So, uh, before I go any further and ramble on Mike, Jay, please take a moment to introduce yourselves and give our listeners a bit of insight into one day dreams.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. If it's okay, Jay, I'll just go first. Um, yeah, yeah, so I am, I'm, I'm Mike Bennett. Um, I'm my background, I'm a social worker, but, um, I spent most of my time working in hospice palliative care. I worked at the hospice here uh, down in Windsor, Ontario, where I live. Um, after being at hospice for a while, I moved forth. I, I finished up my my PhD, and now I'm actually a professor at the University of Texas in their uh, School of Social Work. But Jay and I have gone back. Oh, I don't know, Jay. It's got to be, what, two decades now. Um, Jay was a promoter at local, local bars in Windsor, uh, promoting, getting bands booked. And I was in a really crappy uh, pop punk band begging Jay to book me for shows. And so that's really, that's really how we started. Like that's the entire basis of our friendship. Uh, Creed Jay, covers. Did you
4: guys sing Creed covers? Uh, no,
1: but I, I'm in the boat of Creed slaps and I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll die, I'll die on that <laughs> hill, man. Let's die together, brother. Let's I die love together. It. Love it.
4: It's a
3: good hill to be on. Uh,
1: but, uh, and I'll let Jay, I'll let Jay kind of go from there in terms of how he went from being um booking bands in in the the dive bars in windsor to moving up in the music industry.
2: Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, yeah uh like Mike said I was just doing shows at local bars and whatnot in Windsor and um my background's all in entertainment. So years later I work for a company currently in Toronto and we do bookings for mostly Canadian acts, but we book all their tours across Canada, festivals, some TV stuff and whatnot. Um and you're probably wondering how the heck this has anything to do with the creation of One Day, but it all kind of came together. Mike and I stayed in touch over the years. We're always good friends, and Mike had a history working at um, at an Hospice, and then there was a connection point where he reached out to me one day. We can get into that in a sec, but my background is mostly just entertainment field. Uh, I've had a crash course on palliative education and anything to do with end-of-life care, like, I, I do nothing about it, like, I've never actually dealt with any one person in my life, um, that had to go through palliative care or receive any sort of end-of-life care, um, so it was really eye-opening for me, you know, and to come in from a completely different world and help create something that hopefully is now helping people, um, realize their dreams. Ooh. Yeah,
3: well, I mean, you know, definitely uh, the helping people realize their dreams is, uh, again, like I, I think that's where where it speaks to the, the, the gratifying nature of the work. Um, uh, so, so I guess, yeah, I guess just give us give us an overview of like um, what it is exactly that One Day Dreams is trying to is trying to do um, uh, in order to, you know, change people's lives.
1: Yeah, um, so our, our main mission is to fulfill end of life dreams for adults who are over the age of 18, um, who have a terminal diagnosis, a prognosis, give or take of a year or less understanding that prognostication is not a perfect science by any means, Yeah. Um, and, and who don't have the resources to fulfill the dream on their own. And that doesn't mean necessarily financial resources that can be resources in the broad definition of the word, like just not having the time, the bandwidth, the connections to make some of these dreams come true. So uh, where Jay and I come into play is that, you know, we understand that people live right up until the moment that they die and palliative care in Canada. I mean, for all of its flaws, it's, it's, it's quite broad and there's a lot of services that are offered to people. And sometimes, unfortunately, because you're covering so much, like you're covering the physical concern, social concern, spiritual, practical, emotional, all of these things, sometimes just hopes and dreams and bucket list things don't always make their way to the forefront. So where Jay and I really, we get personal fulfillment is being able to play a small role in making things a little bit better for people who are living through their most difficult days. And so that's really where Jay and I come in. I mean, I think, there's there's social workers, physicians, nurses, chaplains, volunteers all doing really great stuff. We're just kind of bringing a seat at the table to say, "Hey, look, you know, Make-A-Wish stops at 17 years old. So mm-hmm. once somebody turns 18, there's really not that option for individuals." And so Jay and I were like, "You know, let's let's put our heads together and come up with a way to fill that gap."
0: I'm I'm curious if you guys um had the thought that also the big flaw of Make-A-Wish is that you're giving uh, kids wishes in the sense that they're oftentimes so dumb they don't know how to use the wish (laughs) in a productive way. Like like not to like...
3: I think think the way that you preferred, the the way that I think everybody would have preferred you to say that was not that the kids are dumb, but rather that they are not fully developed enough to understand what a good dream can be. And also I want to just say... Sometimes because we literally just covered uh, uh, a story yeah. uh, on, on the podcast recently. About, Brian called uh, them
4: dumb, and Jeremy said that they have no idea what is going on in the world. <laughs> We're on a good trajectory. What, how am I going to offend a giant swath of the population? Well, guys, well, hey, I'm
0: just saying. I'm just saying they they may not be fully developed in a way where they can. You no. know, maybe they have good guidance from their parents, and so they some of them. Make use of those wishes, but don't and, you find that and like some
3: and some of them don't? Yes, Brian, we're right. we're aware, we're aware. I fucked up my kids' wish. Okay, <laughs> I we we didn't have to bring it up. We weren't gonna bring it up, but you did. But yes, I did waste my kids' wish on a shopping spree
0: at the Halifax Shopping Center. Yes, okay, ha ha. So, let's but, get. I mean, it. that's more specifically what I was speaking. Sure, to. sure, sure. So, um, but so, but, some, so the question, but some kids actually do really cool <laughs> shit. So the question is, is you know, given the fact that some kids like Jeremy, waste their kid's wish. Did you see this as an opportunity to provide, you know, more developed people with an opportunity to make a really good one day dream happen?
2: I think it really is most of the fact that they didn't really have anything, period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Adult, like there was nothing. That's what Mike told me. He, and that's kind of like where it all started. He called me one day and was like, I have someone who wants to do a dream. They, they have their favorite band, Mariana's Trench. Yeah, I know if you work in the music business what I, can you hook it up? And then you know there's other stories that lead to the creation of what we're doing, but it was a common thread of Mike calling me saying, Ooh. I'm working with this gentleman, working with this woman. I want to help make them like smile. I want to make them like you know give them a zest for life still like they're still here with us. Um, you know, you still have something that you can do that's exciting in your life, so for adults, yeah, it's kind of just like, I don't know after you're eighteen, it's like, well, I guess you're on your own for the rest of your life if something mm. happens. I think you know that was the big gap for us in Canada. Like outside of Canada, there's places that do it in other countries, but in Canada, it was a big gap. I think um, after 18, it's like. And if, the ironic part is, when you're an adult, I feel like you work so hard so that you can have your dreams happen. And for mm. many people, that's retirement that's like 40 years of work. And then they're like, I can finally do my hobby or this or that. So if anything, to your point, like the kids might not, you know, they're like, I love Pokemon. I want a Pokemon dream. And that's cute. But an adult might say, I have been thinking about this for years. Like I want to do this with my family. And now I'm, I'm cut short. I can't do Ooh, it. Mm-hmm. We come in. Mm-hmm.
4: Mike, uh, Mike, you said something that, that um, stood out to me. And when you mentioned like the resources, um, Um, people not having the resources and not necessarily just financial, but like um, the time and the bandwidth. um, And when somebody is in, when somebody is in, you know, what is, what is estimated to be their, possibly their last year of life. I mean, I can imagine that palliative care for a lot of people feels like a full time, feels like a full time job, you know, just like managing mm-hmm. managing themselves so that they can feel um so that they can feel the best um given the the sort of like circumstances situation that they're in. Um how how does somebody I guess and I, I guess this maybe is a question to speak to like um how broad of um of an experience does um one day dreams provide like are there uh, are there experiences where it actually becomes a challenge for somebody to, to to continue managing their palliative care while they're, while they, you know, get to live out a, a dream like palliative care is a, is a big, is a, is a big job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we try like the dreams that we get are unique as the people who make the re, you know, request. And so that's the cool part is you really don't know what you're going to get. Um, and then we get to be creative to try and work with the applicant to figure out, okay, how are we going to make this happen? Um, and, and there's such a broad, I'm sure throughout the course of our chat, we'll get into all the different stuff. We've had some really, and I say wild, like not to, to, to make light of it, but we've had some really wild requests. And uh, um, and I mean that in, in a great way. But yeah, so the, the the thing is, I think a lot of times, and this somewhat touches on what you asked. Sometimes people see our name and they think the dream is a one-day thing. So it's mm. got to be—it's got to be something that occurs in one day, and that's actually not the case. Um, we just thought the name was clever, uh, but so sometimes, yeah, <laughs> like sometimes we have people who go and they're they're gone for a weekend, and their weekend happens to be on the other side of Canada, and so there are things that pop up that we have to be mindful of. So one is, you know, if they need oxygen, if they need medicals devices, things right. like that. We've had some requests where they've asked for medical professionals to go with them. Um, that opens another kind of can of worms that I don't necessarily want to detract and get into, but different considerations on both of our ends. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Um, and then there's always the inevitable, like the sad things that happen where we're really, really close to making a dream happen. And then their health condition just changes or unfortunately yeah. they, they die unexpectedly. Um, and then we have to try and figure out, is there something still we can do to make this an experience the family can hold on to and remember. Mm. Um, so yeah, like, like the example Jay was just going on with um, the Marianas Trench example, um, the hope and the optimism and just like the pure excitement this girl had. And she was early 20s when I had told her that they were going to be doing this private, like Skype uh, acoustic show for her in her hospice room. Mm. Uh, she was so excited. And that's all it was. The fo- You know, the focus wasn't on, pain management and death and dying and end of life planning. The focus was just on holy shit. Like my favorite band is about to do this show for me. Uh, And then she had a catastrophic bleed the night before and she, Uh. she she died the night before. Uh And so we circled back to the band and we had said, guys, thank you, but this is what's happened. And they, they were like, we still have to do something. So they posted a picture of her and her family on their socials. And so there's all these people messaging and commenting like, you know, condolences thoughts prayers all these things and the family got a lot of comfort from that you know Mm -hmm. the band said anytime we're around your sister like you'll never have to pay to come to a show and the family and the thing that stood out to me kind of in my hospice social worky brain was wait a minute like these bereavement outcomes are even different now Mm -hmm. even the family was just like i got to see my daughter so full of life and excitement right up until when she died yeah And I'm getting all of this, um, comfort as I'm grieving. So that stood out to me as, oh, that's something interesting that I probably wouldn't have thought of at face value of just making a dream come true for somebody.
3: I love that. I love, I mean, one of the things that I think, um, and and I think this is just a, this is just by virtue of like the the fact that we live in a culture that, that seems to be very, uh, you know, death phobic and, and sort of like death illiterate, um, I feel like when when you hear, like, I, I I would I would guess that if you took a if you took a you know a a certain portion of the population, and you did like a word association, kind of exercise with them, and you said something like Make a Wish Foundation, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Um, I feel like a lot of people would probably you know the first thing would be like, you know, death or, uh, mortality or you know disease or sick, um. When in reality, which, you know, sure, those things do tie into make a wish or one day dreams. But like when you when you really think about what it is that that organizations like yourself are are trying to do, it's it's so much less about like, oh, like you're going to die soon. So we got to we got to like do this thing because you're you're dying. You're going to die. So we, we have to do this thing. It's about it's about living. It's about like, oh, you. are Yeah, you're going to die. So like, let's. Let's let's focus on the life aspect of dying, um, which I really I really do love that because I I think that, you know, you kind of touched on it earlier and you were talking about 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 this idea of like a, a lack of bandwidth when it comes to that period of time for whatever for whatever reason. I mean, there's, you know, hundreds of reasons why somebody or a family might feel overwhelmed with this sense of trying to do anything other than just holding on in, in the midst of, you know, uh, uh, a declining health or a prognosis that, you know, you're not given that much time to live. Um, and so that by its very nature kind of prevents you from being able to really live. Um, and then in turn, from like the bereavement side of things, when it does come to an end, how does that affect everybody involved? You know, like if, If the last four months uh, or, you know, whatever, two months of your life were spent, I don't know, in this space where, where it's just, uh, it's just like pain management and, and, you know, your loved ones kind of on 24 hour call, just sort of like tag teaming out in and out of the, in and out of that space where you, you likely will, you know, breathe your last breath it seems like a lot of life is like stripped from the dying process Mm -hmm. in general. And so like to have an opportunity like this where someone comes by and goes, Hey, look, you know, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to have this experience. You don't even need to necessarily leave your hospital room. You can have this experience and to give that, like that little sense of, of life, that spark of life, even in the last moments Of that life, I just think is really, um, I think it's just extraordinarily valuable, and and something that not not a lot of people really give the time to think about how like important that is. Um, I guess like you know, I'm just kind of rambling here, but to to weave a question out of this, um, and and I I guess I'll, I'll I'll throw this to you, Mike just just out of curiosity, with the work that you've done as a social worker in in hospice. Um, what have you seen in terms of the ways that people kind of approach the end of their life? And specifically, like, what are some things that you have seen people do or families attempt to do to focus on that living aspect, um, but maybe without the opportunity to, like, live out a one-day dream? But they're in that moment and you, like, you know... I guess the difference between like the family who just really gets, who succumbs to the, you know, the, the, the hardships of like that moment versus the families where they've been able to carve something out of that time that they had left with that one person that was
1: important to them. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, And to circle back real quickly, like, I think we have really great resources, but sometimes unwittingly what we end up doing is leaving people waiting for things to get worse, you know, like, Hey, here comes my palliative doctor. He's going to do his pain and symptom management thing. He might change my meds around. Hey, here comes my social worker. They're going to ask me some questions about anxiety or sadness, give me some strategies, and then come back in a few weeks. Here's my PSW. They're going to come in, do their work. And so I think sometimes we're, we just end up leaving people waiting for, I guess, well, I guess this is just the way it's going to keep playing out until things start to get worse for me. And on the other side of it, like the family side of it, I've seen no matter how hard they fought it, letting go of that feeling of being partners or you know parent and child and slipping into that role of patient caregiver when you know when the when the person is the cook the cleaner the pharmacist the nurse the psw all of these things it's really mm-hmm. difficult to hold on to those other roles and so i've seen families navigate it in a lot of different ways um not to try and qualify some people doing it better than others but mm-hmm. there's certainly something to be said about the families that like you had just said carving out the time or setting time aside to say hey look from this time of night to this time of night or this time of day to this time of day no talk about death dying Mm. pain and symptoms um appointments anything like that you know we're just going to watch a movie together look through photo albums have our kids over whatever that might look like um a family setting aside date nights you know that idea of hey, maybe we can't go out for dinner anymore to our favorite restaurant, but let's order in and have it delivered. And when the second that meal hits the table, until the second we're done eating, we're just being there together with each other. So I've seen families do those sorts of things. Um, I was working with a a guy who was a local, he was a DJ, he was a DJ at a local nightclub here in Windsor. Um, And when I first met him, he was like, I don't even listen to music anymore. You know, like I'm, I, I know I'm dying, and I'm just ready to go at this point. There's nothing real left for me, and so we had a long talk. And I think without getting into all the intricacies of it, it really came down to chatting with him and saying, "Look, man, like we know what cancer can take from you. If I ask you what it can take from you, like you'll answer it like this. But sometimes maybe you, we give things to the diagnosis before we have to, and it sounds like maybe you gave." cancer music before you had to and so Mm. i said maybe we can look at small steps but can we take some of that stuff back and it actually accumulated in him having like one last uh night at the uh, local bar where he he dj'd one last set Mm. he had all of like these his old industry friends he had djs from detroit coming over and it was a massive party a massive event um so I think that there's little things. I think it starts really tiny and whether it be setting so- time aside um, and really it comes down to that question, like, what do I want to do today? What do I want to make today, you know, one more perfect day for me? And that can look like anything really. Mm. Um, I don't think that, it, um, I don't think that hope has to be always hoping for a cure or hoping for a miracle. I think sometimes hope is just, I hope i still has something great to offer me and my loved ones. Yeah. I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia
4: podcast called Let Me Fix It.
1: Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today.
4: Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes.
1: So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
4: I love that. You... Like uh, I love that. Like that all sounds like it sounds like one day dream is like this sort of like blockbuster experience that mm-hmm. you can do that you can do that does this thing. But then there's also dashes of that same experience that slide, you know, down the spectrum further yeah. towards, you know, more accessible, fewer resources, mm-hmm. you know, far less, uh, uh, non-profit, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, n- needing a non-profit to be, to, you know, to be organizing and, uh, breaking their backs to uh, to help make happen, but like the like the little things like the dinner, um, or like the thing in between of like getting this guy's show, yeah, like going like that's um, yeah. Just, I'm curious. I, I, I guess love the, to- the
3: thing I'm curious about though is like like to that point, that that there what you just what you what you both are are talking about right now, I feel like is something that again throwing back to like what I said earlier about how we live in a, a society that's really. Opposed to the idea of death. And we're scared of death and we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to face it. But when you're in the thick of it, um, and you let that consume you, then it's very the chances of you being able to have an experience like that are are quite low. And so I guess like just out of curiosity, from you know, because I know that you guys have spent quite a bit of time at, you know, different like hospice and palliative care conferences, and and like you're in the scene now of that, of that space. Do you feel like there's an adequate amount of education around those types of conversations within those spaces? You know, to to provide that that sense of hope or to provide that that sense of of like of ruminating on on the dreams or things that you can do um, as a as a unit or as an individual to like to to I guess like just infuse a little bit of that sense into the process of of dying?
2: I'll let Mike take this up because Mike, this is actually part of our education process that we do with hospices. We do education for them um, all over Canada. And there's actually a segment that Mike leads about those conversations coming into end of life care.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to say that it's, it's not happening enough, but I, cause I can only really speak from my experience and what I've seen. Um, I think a couple things. One is that without, I mean, not even a lot of people know we exist. So that's why opportunities like this are awesome for us, but Sometimes it's I don't want to ask a question if I don't have a really great follow up for it or if I don't know what to do with the answer. And so if somebody was to ask, hey, what would you like to do for a dream? And if they're over the age of 18 and they don't know we exist, they might just be like, I don't I'm afraid of what that answer might entail because I don't know how I would follow up. So that might be a barrier. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I also just go back to saying like there's just so much that we that you have to manage and navigate through as a provider you know, um, pain and symptom being a portion of it, but all these other things that come up, like navigating even family dynamics and all yeah. of this stuff. Sometimes it just doesn't get brought to the forefront. And, and I'm biased, but yeah, I don't think it happens nearly enough. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we don't realize that it, it just takes one question. I don't care if you are a discharge planner in a hospital. I don't care if you have a caseload of 100 people. I You know, it's one question of tell me something that really matters to you that you'd like to experience or what are some of the things that are most important to you you know and and it takes one question to get that you know I was working with a gentleman who he had he was living with cancer dealing with it his entire life he was at the end stages when I first met him he was like no I don't need anything take care of my wife he had just gotten married he was in his early 20s he's like take care of my wife and be there for my mom they're gonna need it um and so I easily could have been like okay great you know what hey call on me if you need me anything pops up but I just I chatted with him and I asked him you know wh- tell me more about you what are what are your most important roles be mindful of time I'll make it quick but he had said oh my my one of my most important roles was being a student and I was this close to finishing my master's degree and so I thought to myself like wow it'd be really great to create this moment for him where he can get his master's degree maybe an honorary degree hmm. so I worked with the university I sent you know and honestly and and it's 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 getting harder and harder to find time excuses when like the amount of time it took me to walk between buildings, I shot off an email to the administrators who you know run the units and universities anyways. Sent off an email to the administrators. Sent off an email to the president of the university and just said, hey, here's the deal. I got this guy. What do you think we can do? Uh, I heard back almost immediately, and they were like, look, we're not going to give him an honorary degree. We're going to honor him with his full degree. President was doing some conference <laughs> thing in Toronto. He flew down to Windsor like no. that very day. They, we, they had the family did this whole thing where they catered a giant oh. thing from his favorite restaurant. The, his dad was a firefighter. So it was like a fire truck in the parking lot that said, congratulations. And he was honored for his degree from his, his advisor, the president of the university. Wow. And all of that came from a single question. And it's not that, Everybody has to have make these aha moments come true. But a lot of the education we provide people is, look, we're implicated in making sure that we're bringing that person to the forefront of our discussions. And a big piece of that is, what's most important to you? What are some things that you hope and dream about? Those things still matter at the end of life, even if you're limited in time and potential. So Jay and I do a lot of education about that piece, because I think it's tough, man, and, and Jerry, you probably get this too. You have just talked about death denial and death denial, and then we, mm. you know, here we are talking about life, life, life. And there's a lot of life in palliative care. And I got stung with a question at a conference one time, and they asked me, "Well, how do those two things make sense? Is that if if palliative care and hospice care is all about focusing on demystifying death and accepting death, yet all of your messages about life and living and life and living?" How are you making a, a connection between those two things? Are you mm-hmm. not perpetuating that message, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it was like, you know, your worst fear when you get stung with a question like that. And it drove me bonkers. And I remember I was reading um, some, because you can tell I'm dynamite at parties. I was reading uh, existential psychology. And anyways, long story short, <laughs> buddy, uh, Irvin Yalomi writes about death. And he writes about how the, the physicality of death destroys us, but the idea of death saves us. Mm. And I think that's the answer. And I, I honestly do. I think the answer is that we can ponder and anticipate and think about our own death. And just by the mere fact of being able to do that, it it informs how we want to live every day. And so mm. I think that's the bridge. I think the bridge and that Jay and I go out and we tell people is that, yes, that they're dying. And when we're, when we're supporting them through a dying process, but they still are living throughout it. And maybe the mere fact that they know their time is limited Mm -hmm. I open the door to conversations of you know what I really wish I would have done one more time or one thing I would have loved to experience. And so I think that there's probably that middle ground there where we exist and and we try and do all that education with providers about, Mm -hmm. hey, you're going to ask about goals of care, you're going to ask about DNRs and, and where they'd like to die and all of these sorts of things but you really need to make sure you're asking them about what matters the most to you to keep living the best that you can. And you know, what are some things you, you know, what are some dreams you have or some mm-hmm. hopes or aspirations? Right. So I don't know if that answered your question. I kind no, of read to, it. Yeah. To it, that, it to that
0: point, I'm really, I'm really curious because something that's really st- strikes me is that I understand the, the amazing work that one day dreams is doing now, but something that also stands out to me is the fact that as a social worker, um, you mentioned that it, like the idea of getting this guy his degree, seemed like something that would be this thing that takes a really long time to do or might be really difficult to do. But you sent one email and and basically started that <laughs> ball rolling. Is do you feel like people who are in positions like social workers should feel empowered to do this? And create like it's, it's almost it's almost to me like you don't even need an organization like one day dreams I understand like again not to not to discredit the the work that you're doing but like the fact that there are people can do this they can create these dreams for people but they're just not doing it in a way
1: yeah I think it's I think it's daunting and I think sometimes we don't realize how quick and easy it can be to do some of these things. Now, luckily, like, you know, we've been around to be able to do some, some bigger things that are probably beyond the scope of what you might be able to do. But um, it's, it's, it's fairly easy to start the conversation, you know, and on that end, Jay and I worked hard to make our application really easy to fill out. And so Mm -hmm. um, even if you start the conversation, and you're like, Hey, I got to tag somebody else in to make this piece happen, because I don't have the time to do it, or the able the ability to do it. Sure. Download the application. Um, We made it where it can be completed by, like, it's very rarely Jay completed by the individual themselves. Eh? Like,
2: Mm -hmm. yeah, like ninety-five percent of people who apply um, are actually social care workers or it's Mm -hmm. mom, dad, sister, brother, friend. Hardly ever the person themselves. It Mm. almost
4: seems like it seems like that. It's so often that the person that that. Would benefit from that um, is oftentimes like the person who's just thinking about it the least. Um, like we were just something that that shocked me was we were at a we were at a conference a couple weeks ago in Ottawa. Um, it was the Canadian um, uh, caregiving summit, and and everything is about caregiving. Like everything is about caregivers, care providers, support implementing policies that support these people and that allow this like gigantic proportion of Canadians to be able to more easily and accessibly like provide some caregiving and care providing to people who need it. Mm. And, and we're working the, with, we're working with this, with this organization and, and with this, with this lovely woman, Olivia. And, and Olivia is like all about this. She's like organizing the event. She's doing all this stuff. And Olivia's mom is, is it is also attending the event and Olivia's mom comes up one day we're sitting at the table and she goes I made sure to tell Olivia that that like um when I need care just like put me in a home and like don't because I don't want to burden you and I was like shocked by the whole the whole like infrastructure of this event was like meant to be this thing that said this is for you this is for when you eventually get to this point and you need this we're going to make it easy so that we want to make it, we want to put things in place that make it easy for you to receive this, for easy for your daughter to, to keep, to for you to stay at home so your daughter can easily provide care. And it doesn't have to be the burden that you think it is. Mm. But yet her mindset is still, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be a burden. And I feel like a lot of people who are in a state where mm-hmm. their life is approaching the end, they feel like they're a burden and they feel like talking about those things maybe that they want to do, it's like they already feel like, I'm already take I already take so much yeah. to to stay comfortable or to stay or to stay supported <clears throat> talking about my dream or the thing that might like bring that extra little joy is another thing on top of that pile. Mm. Um, and 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 so then like you like you said, you see like, su- like social workers and yeah. nurse practitioners making which, those requests on people's behalf.
3: Which I think which I think also sort of speaks to this question that you received, this question that sort of stumped you or, you know, or sort of put you in this like uncomfortable position. But it, it reminds me that that question reminded me immediately of my favorite quote, which I've, I mean, I've said it a thousand fucking times in different talks and probably said it too many times on this podcast, but the fear of life, the fear of life follows from the fear of death. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. So like, you know, if you are just living your fucking life fully, I mean, that's, that's why we say, you know, it's like. We, why people passively or jokingly say, you know, they, they, they experience something that's amazing and they go, oh, I could, I could die happy. I could die today. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, you can approach, you can approach that moment of death and, and go, you know what? All right. Like it, it, it happened. I, I lived, I lived my life. And so for that, you know, for that guy who gets his master's, holy shit, like what better way to be set up to embrace the final days of your life? by being recognized for the work that you did and, and, you know, the education that you have and and the brain that you are, that you are and, 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 you know, having, having a, an institution like back that and go, thank you for, you know, thank you for being you. I mean, that's, that's, uh,
4: that's beautiful. I don't know if you were there. If you guys were both there, I can't remember if this was in uh, one of the main sessions or one of the breakout sessions, but again, at this conference, there was a woman who was speaking. There was a, there was, there was like a really heavy focus on the indigenous perspective of caregiving and, um, and supports for indigenous communities. And, and, and one person said, in my language, we don't have a word for dying. Mm. It was like, it was like you're alive and then there's dead and there's died, but there's not dying. Mm because they were like you live mm-hmm. like you you like you there is no dying it's just living and then dead and i was like oh that's a really i just mm-hmm. it, it just like gave me that like allowed me to just shift over a little bit to the left and, mm-hmm. and just bring a bit of a different angle of perspective totally.
3: to and to I, what it yeah. means
4: to, to 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 what it means to die
3: yeah and I, and i don't think there's anything wrong with i don't think there's anything wrong with promoting this idea of living and like living to the fullest and having experiences right up to the end of, of your time here. I don't think that, I, I think as I, long I, as you're not in denial of death. Right, exactly. Like yeah. I don't, I think those, I don't think those two things like cannot happen at the same time. I think you can fully be open to the experience of death yeah. whilst, whilst living every single second that you have left. I think that those two things need to exist at the exact same time in order for us to be accepting of death.
4: Um, Um, So with one, with one, with one day dreams, like what is, you know, you mentioned the application process, like how, how does it, how does it all work? And what are some of like, what are some examples? I'm like, how would, how would somebody get involved? How would somebody apply? And then, and then also what are some examples that like really kind of stick? I know you've mentioned a couple already, but what are some of the like examples of, of things that stick out of things that, um, you know, maybe dreams that you'd like to see come to fruition, or th- or ones that have that you're really proud of that really stand out.
2: Yeah, you want to Jay, why don't you
1: why don't you take it if you can?
2: All right, all right. Um, so the application process it's it's like Mike said, it's fairly simple. They just apply online uh, through our website. You just download a PDF document, and it's just like a general information section. But then there's a really important section that is actually for the medical care professional that is most appropriate for that person. So whether it's their oncologist, it could be their uh, family doctor, it could be a palliative physician, the nurse, they fill that section out and that gives us more information on their prognosis, their diagnosis, medications, all the things we need to consider for like travel dreams or things that are more experiential, like even just visually, or cognitively experiencing something we want to make sure that that person can do that to their best ability so they fill all that out and then we also have a third section that is actually um something that might develop. taking those five questions from the who who index of quality of life um questionnaire and it's like you know, they fill it out before the dream happens how do i feel today you know um do i feel energized there's I forget specific questions, but they fill it out and then we have them fill it out again once the dream is done. And that's more of a measurement for us to see, like, are we making that kind of positive mental impact on that person when that dream happens? And we say we have, which is awesome. Um, But anyway, going back to the application, they send it in and then there's a whole dream process. So we have like 20 something committee and volunteer members and they all do various roles from finance approvals on dreams medical advisory committee they speak with the other person's doctor they inform the dream fulfillment committee okay you know you should probably have this happen in the next couple weeks or a few Mm. months don't do this we recommend you should do it this way and then dream fulfillment committee they plan the whole dream like we have people that are literally like on expedia or like calling hotels being like can you give us a discount because we're charity." But uh, you'd be surprised how many people give us like, maybe not surprised, but a lot of local businesses on dreams, they give us stuff for free all the time. And Ooh. it's really amazing to see like communities, complete strangers come together because that person's in their community and they feel like they know them, even though they don't, they're like, oh, this is someone from Lethbridge. Oh yeah, no problem. Dinner's on us. And so that's been a really powerful thing for us to have to make dreams happen. And then, kind of going to the second part, I'll let Mike tell a couple of the stories. But we've had like everything from, you know, the actually, I'll say this the most number one requested dream is going to Niagara Falls. <laughs>
3: oh, Out no of, way.
2: No <laughs> one could ask for it. It's going to Niagara Falls. Wow. And, you know, Mike and I were pondering, like, okay, we thought everyone's going to go to Disney World or like, you know, I want to go to Australia and the O back for a week. No. And we realized that. We think the reason is that a lot of the people who are applying are usually financially struggling and might have been on a lower financial medium when they were working. Mm -hmm. So they never had the opportunity to go to Niagara Falls for a few days because it's expensive. I mean, hotels, dinner, attractions. So that was really something that um, changed our psyche of, oh, adults think a lot differently than kids when it comes to what is I want to do one last time because number two was dinners that was our number two most requests just a dinner and Mike maybe you want to tell the story about the gentleman who had the most humble dinner request that to this day and I cannot so, believe about all the things you could ask for one thing I do <laughs> want to say about
3: that but the Niagara Falls thing that actually that actually really that I really love it's like yeah, sure. You could you could request to like go to Japan or go, you know, like whatever, go, go, go to the Outback, like you said. But there's something really beautiful about the fact that people are requesting to do something like go see the Niagara Falls, which is like there. We live in a country that is astoundingly beautiful, you know, it's like and and I think a lot I think a lot of people take that for granted, Um, uh, even like especially people, too, who like who. Who don't take the time to travel in in their own country? You know, um, yeah, I mean, it just it,
4: speaks it, to what Jay said. Like, like the like the what the like what somebody wants to do is super relative to their experience. Totally, whatever their circumstances yeah. have been in their life, what they've been able to do in like, previous to being to yeah. becoming sick. I mean, that plays a huge role in what in what feels important and what feels like mm-hmm. is um a value regardless of what Brian thinks yeah, I mean yeah, right. there should
0: be a dream consultant though <laughs> you know like like we could really amp this up for people
4: that's not yeah. a that's not a dream consultant that's not a bad idea <laughs>
0: You know, Jay and I, Jay and I, always have our ideas
1: on you know what we would do if we had like this carte blanche, like we can dream whatever we want. We're not going to share that stuff on the podcast. Wait, why not? It would look a lot different, I think. But uh, you know, that's funny though. We we had another dream which would have been so awesome to do, and unfortunately, the person's health dipped way too quick. But they wanted to do a Northern Lights tour, and that yes. would have been really cool. Yeah, I thought that yeah. would have been really neat uh, yeah. to set them up in one of those like three sixty kind of globe things Ooh, where they yeah. see it um but i want to touch on something and, and if it's okay it's it's not so much of a shameless plug as much as it's if maybe you have listeners who might be interested in getting involved and helping out
3: yeah, totally you
1: know? yeah. so so we you know we feel dreams from all across canada um we've done dreams almost in every province jay alluded to it we have a, vo- a group of volunteers like our dream fulfillment committee has I think six people on it all in Windsor and they do all of the dream coordination, no matter what it is for every dream. And so um, a part of it is just like, I want to give them credit by saying, you know, we have no paid staff at one day dreams, which is great. We, we do it all um, on our own free time. Uh, But you know, if there's people who are listening that might be in other areas of Canada that are like, Hey, I wouldn't mind getting involved in helping coordinate dreams in different areas by all means they can reach out. Um, the other thing is, like Jay mentioned, we we always try and get help with dream fulfillment costs, whether mm-hmm. it be like in kind donations. Mm-hmm. The biggest cost we have um, across all dreams, and it's one thing we haven't really been able to to figure out a good in yet, um, are flights. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest cost, and so we're always trying to see maybe there's somebody who's three degrees of separation away from somebody that we could speak to at WestJet or Air Canada or something. So I'm putting it out there with my fingers crossed that who knows maybe you have some listeners that have an in somewhere mm-hmm. that can at least get us a conversation. Um,
4: Hell yeah, I hope we do. I hope we do.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. and so yeah, I think that's um I think Jay touched on a lot of it. Like we've had dreams and it's like man, we had a dream where this guy just wanted dinner for him and his three other family members from Boston Pizza. Mm. Was it like that's all he wanted? Couldn't afford it. Um, it was their favorite restaurant. Ah, uh, we've had other dreams where it was a family wanted to have a get together at the Mandarin, like the Chinese buffet. Or uh, hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I've been to, I've sick. been to the Mandarin in Niagara Falls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, me
4: too. yeah. Uh, I think we all went my, together. I we all that. did go together, and <laughs> I got right. very sick. Yeah, <laughs>
0: diarrhea. Because I just, diarrhea because I ate too diarrhea much. No, for three. That was not from eating too much. <laughs> <laughs>
4: might have been I might have been drinking. I too. love that. <laughs> I, I love
3: that. I mean, like honestly, it's it, um Again, just just coming back to like that 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 you know like i think i think if 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 anyone really took the time to meditate on the idea that they are in the last you know like weeks of their life and when you when you really think about like what's important and when you really think about what it is that you want to what it is that you want to experience in those moments before your time comes um i think i think a lot of people would probably would probably come to the realization that it, it it in that moment it's probably a lot more a lot more simple and and humble than 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 you might think, you know? Especially especially if you're in the place where you've been up against this hurdle for X amount of time and it's it's all that's been like kind of taking taking up your your fucking energy and your thoughts and and your your like your every waking moment of every day. Um you know, those are the moments where where I think I think it's safe to say like we've all had moments like that where life is overwhelming, where it seems like you're you're kind of drowning in whatever it, it whether it's your whether it's work or your mental health or or you know, just like a series of unfortunate events that have happened in your life, and like those are the moments where personally speaking for me, like the thing that I that I just like crave more than anything is just really simple, quiet moments of connection with the people that mean the most to me, right? Like, like just laying on the couch with my partner and my dog and, and like having a cuddle and watching stand-up comedy, like that would probably be, you know, a yeah. dream that I would have in, in those final moments of, of life. So to hear that, you know, that, that people, uh, to hear the, the, the examples of things that people request that are that are modest and like that and not not necessarily the you know the big the big dreams of like i want to you know i want to yeah. i want to skate with the maple leafs on the you know bef- before a game or, or, or you know something like that which which also th- that's fucking awesome too but mm-hmm. just to just to recognize the fact that like those those simple dreams like those are the things Man, I'll tell that you, like,
4: just give you that piece of life. There's like you know there's I've and again the relative nature of it all like I've been really lucky to be at, to have been able to travel to basically every corner of the globe and like, if I found myself in a situation where my health was rapidly declining it would be that like yeah. it, it would be like going to churro. It would be like go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, go to churro. It would be like it would be to, it would be like like quiet dedicated time yeah. with my with my daughter. Yeah, you know? yeah like exactly. It, can I just it, give you guys a, a little a, bit at of feedback there? very though? modest sort I, of like I, here hear,
0: hear right. me out. As a dream consultant, future dream consultant, <laughs> I would say you can have that quiet beautiful moment cuddling on your couch watching stand-up comedy. But
4: have it on a SpaceX like starship launch or
0: under the northern lights right. or something like it's just like that yeah. one more little bit of creativity that. that you just need to add to that's that. right Have is that, that what you ha- were
4: talking about mike were ha- you are you <laughs> yeah. are you an elon musk yeah. in
0: yeah.
4: in <laughs> no, cahoots I right would. now you getting somebody? No. Are you getting somebody on the moon launch? If, <laughs>
1: if I if I was, we wouldn't be uh, we'd be able to fulfill a lot cooler dreams. That's
4: for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're spending. You're just you're just you're just spend, you're just gonna save up the next hundred years of uh, of one day dreams finances yeah. to, to yeah. do one to do yeah. one moon yeah. launch. Yeah.
3: My, Mike's like have a have a night at home with your partner and your dog cuddling, watching stand stand up comedy with uh, with fifty strippers uh, surrounding all of you, and that's like okay, yeah, that's I, I mean that's
0: that's the that's the dream consultants. Yeah, dream kick, it's probably somebody's dream. <laughs> 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 <It's> somebody's dream <laughs> <laughs> it's, exactly it's somebody's dream so yeah. I, hey, wait, about, wait, I want to wait wait have you guys gotten any really outrageous requests
4: um not like
0: no like
1: okay so i have outside of one day um back when i was kind of soft launching one day uh when i was trying to ask people i was working with like what they'd like i yeah hell yeah i had a lot of outrageous requests um <laughs> Uh, But in terms of one day, not really. I think some of them get filtered out in the emails. Um, But like we've had somebody who he had the same. This isn't really outrageous, I guess, but he had the same diagnosis as Gord Downey. Mm. And he wanted to perform some tragically hip songs with the band backing him. Oh, that's awesome. It's a really cool dream. (laughs) I mean, it's I don't know. Like, hey, guys, here's a reminder of your best friend that just died. You know, can we do this? but yeah. uh, no like that like that type of stuff it's outrageous in the sense of like it's out there it's really cool but yeah. it wasn't like I've had you know I've had other requests for things like um like hiring sex workers and stuff like that we haven't had anything like that and I think that would be a full discussion at our board of directors yeah. but yet, no. yet. like
2: <laughs> yeah. conference like two weeks ago he was like man there's a woman that wants to hug a lion that's it yeah that's I forgot like, about that.
1: What's to know. pet a lion? Is that what you said? You want, uh, yeah. A of
2: directors might uh, shut that oh. down, but Do you wanted to <laughs> hug a lion, like an adult lion.
4: Whoa, <laughs> whoa, yeah, that's, that's a yeah, that's yeah, a wow. that's, that's a big that's a that's a big request. Yeah. The th- see the see the the see the the.
3: That might expedite your prognosis that would be my <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm just, I, I yeah, like not to yeah. not to be rude yeah, but yeah that You're uh, just asking to
4: speed things up at that yeah, point. yeah that's would well, be mean, a cool way to go though
3: th- there is a lid for every pot I do I do gotta say and, there I, is and a lid uh, for every pot and and yeah. and again i I just I do want to kind of just just one more time throw back to the fact that um I really i really it it really kind of like warms my heart to have heard the examples of the dreams that yeah, that most people probably wouldn't think about. Um, and, and to really just kind of that.
4: piggyback off the lion thing, I, I'm, I, I know that I speak for the three of us that we're just like super appreciative that you guys exist and do this. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we like dipped our toes into a very similar thing um, uh, in 2018 where we, um, we started a nonprofit called SickWish, Um, and we, we, we raised money and we did, and it it was, instead of it being like a throughout the year thing, we did, we did like a one event to raise money for a, for, to, to, to fulfill a singular wish. Um, and, uh, and then the pandemic happened and all that stuff when we got thrown off, but it's something that we would, that we would very much like to revisit. Um, and you know, we, we threw this incredible party and, you know, there was, 350 or 400 people there. And it was just like this incredible experience. And it was all in the name of raising money to fulfill a wish. And we ended up being able to, to, um, to, um, to send a friend of ours and a guest um, who we had, who we met through having them on the show, send them to, I believe it was South Africa on a safari. And, and it was one of these like big like it was this like big blockbuster thing. Um, And sort of the drawback of those big blockbuster things is that they take so much
2: there's, you can only so do mu- one.
4: there's so much involved I mean, can in only do it. One. so you can only yeah. like the resources you know if you if you want to do something like that you can only do so many of those um and um but we we sort of we sort of drifted away from that when the pandep- pandemic happened but we are so like i just absolutely adore what you guys are doing um because like we started out with this conversation it's like you know you don't just uh, you don't just stop wanting to do cool shit when you're dying after mm. you're seven, after you turn 18 years mm-hmm. old. And, um, and that's really important to, uh, to recognize and to keep on um, like celebrating that, that like will to live fully um, and, the, mm. and the beauty of that. So you, you mentioned
3: uh, where people can, can go to, to, uh, to find more information. Uh, One day is the website. Um, I guess people can people can apply send in applications for dreams there. If people want to get involved volunteer wise, they can they can find you guys there. Is there is there anything else that uh, that people should be aware of or or things to think about going forward? If this is like something that's kind of uh, piquing their interest, or they maybe they know someone who might who might uh, be in a position of of applying for a dream like this.
2: I would say one big thing that happens is we get a lot of random. Email. From people because they actually don't know what to, how to talk to like their loved one or their friend. They're like, hey, I know that they would really like to do something. A lot of times they're just not in the mood to talk about good things or positive things. Sure. So we get that coming to us a lot. So I would say, how do you talk about it? Because I find that when we do give them advice of how to steer those conversations, they actually have turned into applications. And I remember one dream, like, we were on site at the dream and the sister told us that um, you know, my sister, I don't know, she's kind of she's happy that we're doing it, but she's not overly excited. I'll never forget when you walked in the door and we had the whole place decorated like Wizard of Oz. She loved Wizard of Oz, And it was like a private movie screening we did. Wow. And so she comes in off of limo that we got her, um, and she walks in the doors and you could see her face. It was kind of just it was kind of just a regular kind of, you know, non-expressive face. And as soon as she saw the decor, she like lit up, like smile lit yeah. up. And the yeah. rest of the night, she's chatty Kathy the whole night. Oh. <laughs> and she's just, you know, beside herself. And I think it's just getting them there sometimes. And, and we have to encourage the loved ones and friends to, you know, stick with us on this journey of encouraging people to have a dream because it they don't know the person themselves, the dreamer doesn't realize how it's going to impact them until it actually happens sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I, I I love that point because I think one big takeaway for me in this conversation is that like sometimes as a loved one or caregiver, just somebody who knows someone who's going through a really tough time, you feel like there's not much you can do to help, but doing something like this, like thinking outside of the box and, and you know, filling out an application or or thinking about how maybe you can help make this person's experience you know, turn that experience around for them i think is a really powerful way to think about it It feels like you're Ooh. empowering the people around them to to be able to so- support them too and and that the the pressure isn't necessarily on the person who's you know end of life to to try to like figure out how to plan and live out their last dreams
3: mm mm-hmm. mhm um, again folks onedaydreams.ca if you if you want to uh, find more information, if you want to donate, if you want to volunteer, if you want to send in an application for yourself or a loved one, um, uh, please please go go check it out and uh, and guys thank you like thank you so much for a the work that you do Thank you so much for taking time to come on the show and express uh, what it is that you you are, are working on. And uh, and we're rooting for you. Yeah, I mean, just just like absolutely fucking love what you're doing. And, uh, and we're so glad we had a chance to connect. So this has been a real treat. So thank you. Thank you, guys. That is it for this week's edition of Routine Checkup. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. It means the world to us. And if you'd like to continue listening to the podcast, you can do that right here on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And of course, if you want to support the podcast further, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on your Spotify mobile app. And uh, even better than that, why don't you tell someone that you know, tell someone that you love, tell someone that you don't know, that you listen to Sick Boy Podcast and recommend it to them because we always love those extra ears. The podcast is produced and hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, and Taylor McGilvery. The podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis at Talent Bureau. The theme music for today's episode comes from Rich O'Coin. Thanks again, folks. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week. That's it for now. My name is Jeremy, and this is Simple.